You are listening to the Restoration LA podcast. For more, visit us at restorationla.org. What do you need? What do you need? We're going to ask that question this morning. So even as we're starting and we're in the intro, you guys can start preparing your hearts. You can start asking yourselves, what do I need? What do I need? Now, if I ask you this question this morning, what do you need? That's a loaded question, right? It's a loaded question. Like Jody said, it sounds like it could be seeker sensitive. It can sound like I'm asking, hey, what do you want? And you can say, hey, I want, I want this and I want that. I want a new car. I want a bigger, a bigger house, right? It sounds like, oh, yeah. You know, but what, what I'm, we're talking about this morning is, is more internally, right? It's God-centered. It's Christ-centered. The, that question, what do you want or what do you need, can, can, it, it depends on who's asking the question, right? It depends on who you're asking the question to. If you're asking the question to a billionaire and the billionaire comes up to you and says, hey, Danny, what do you want? What you want is going to change despite that billionaire, Right? You might want a new Honda, but the billionaire is asking you what you want. You're, you're going to change your, your options, right? So church, this question is, what do you want? That depends on how you feel. It depends on the time of day. It depends on the season you're in. It depends if it's evening or if it's daytime, right? It depends if you're asking your wife for lunch or dinner options. Why is that the most difficult question to ask married couples? <laughs> Right? What do you want can lead to so much arguments and destruction in your marriages. It's a loaded question. What do you want? What do you need? Some would say, hey, I, 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 will, I, I want a vacation. Some would say, I need a vacation. Some would say, hey, I, 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 want, I want a bigger house. I, I want a new car. Nothing wrong with that. It's Sunday morning. I, I would say I want a coffee. Some would say, I need a coffee, right? But on a deeper note, on an internal level, what do you want? Internally, personally, between you and the Lord, what do you need this morning? What do you need? What do you want? Maybe you want a happy life. Maybe some of you in this room, you want friendship. You want companionship. Maybe there's some of you in here that say, I want a wife. I want a husband. Maybe there's couples in here to say, I want kids. I want encouragement. Are you sitting in this room this morning and you need strength? Sitting in this room and you feel like, you know what? I really need support. Maybe there's someone in this room or someone you know that wants healing. Maybe you want to feel safe. Maybe you want to feel secure. Maybe there's people in this room today that that need and that they want breakthrough. They want breakthrough in their marriages. They need breakthrough in their finances. They need a breakthrough in their relationships and their friendships. They need breakthrough at work. They need breakthrough. You want breakthrough. Maybe a need or a want means you want to know Jesus deeper. How many of you want to know Jesus deeper? That's a good want. That's a good need, right? Maybe you want to grow and mature in the things of the Lord. 
Maybe you want to grow in your walks with God. See, there's a perception in, in life as, as a man, as just humans, that if there is a need or there is a want, then someone's not doing their job. That if there is a need or there is a want in your life, then you're incompetent or you're not doing something right. If you need something from somebody or for, you know, this purpose is God, but, you know, just on our daily, if we need something, if I need to ask someone for something or if I need to humble myself for something because there's a need, we feel like we're weak. We feel like, hey, if there's something I need, I'm just going to figure out a way to do it myself. If there's a want, I'm just going to put it on credit. If there's a want, then, hey, I don't, I don't need any help. I don't need anybody in my business. I'm just going gonna, gonna to get the job done. Right? We've all been there. But we feel like we can't say that we need help. We can't say that we need a hand. We can't say that we need or that we want companionship because we're afraid that it's going to look weird. So we just internalize it. We put our heads down and we try our best to figure out how to get through. Am I the only one? We need to feel like we have it all together. We, we can't let people know that there's something that there's a need there. We feel weak. We feel insignificant. Like Jody said, today we're starting a series titled, What Do You Need? And I'm sure that we could all use a vacation. I'm sure we could all use a new car. But this is not what we're talking about today. We're going to explore portions of scripture where Jesus asked these questions. Where Jesus asked, what do you need? Where Jesus asked, what do you want? When there is a specific need that those he interacts with in the Bible, there was a need that they didn't have the strength to do on themselves, to do by themselves. There was a want and there was a desire, there was a need, but they didn't have the strength to see it through. And Jesus interrupts that. And Jesus intervenes. And Jesus fits and meets the need. Amen? So we're asking the question, each and every one of us this morning, what do you need? Do you have a need? I, I actually hope you do have a need this morning because I know that God wants to meet it today. And if it's not today, then I know God's going to meet it throughout this month. Right? So in scripture, we see that Jesus asks a lot of questions. I don't know if you've noticed that as you read your scriptures, but there's a lot of questions Jesus asks those he interacts with. Now, I want to say this and make it very clear. What do you want? What do you need? Jesus is not a genie. There's no magic lamp, right? There's no three wishes. We're not talking about a genie here. We're talking about God. We're talking about a sovereign Lord. We're talking about a God who sits on a throne in heaven. We're talking about King Jesus. He knows everything. Amen? There's nothing that Jesus doesn't know about you. There's nothing that Jesus doesn't know about your situations or your circumstances or the storms you may be in today. There's nothing that Jesus doesn't know that you struggle with. Jesus knows. Right? We know because he's he's ever knowing. But Jesus asks these questions because it's it's, it's not because he's unknowing, because he's inviting us in. Jesus asks questions not because he's unknowing, it's because he wants a relationship with us. He wants to commune with us. He wants to communicate with us. He's inviting people in. He's inviting his followers in. He's inviting those he meets in to a conversation and into a relationship. For the most part, the questions that he asks are not for him. It's for the person who, who he's asking. Right? 
It's for the person. It's for us. It's for you and I. It's a question question that helps us look deeper at what we want. When we're face to face with Jesus and he asks, what do you want? We have to take a deeper look at our, 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 our hearts. Right? It helps us understand our motives. It helps us take a deeper look into our desires. Those questions help us understand ourselves. And it gets down to the root of what we really want. It helps us identify with why we want something. It it, it helps us identify with who can do those things that we're asking for. It helps us also affirm our faith. So Jesus asks these questions not because he's unknowing, but because he's inviting us in. He wants us to look him in his eyes and say, I know that only you can do these things. Amen? And the same question that Jesus asked 2,000 years ago are still questions that we can respond to this morning. Amen? So I'm going to read a portion of Scripture. We'll pray, and then we will break down uh, what Jesus is doing in Scripture. Sound good? If you have your Bibles, please turn to Mark chapter 10. If you do not have your Bibles, it will be up on the screen behind me. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. When you are there, don't be afraid to say amen. We all should say amen. They're all right behind us. So it says, then they reached Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. And when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, Tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. And Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. So, Lord, I just pray, God, that this morning, as we go through this portion of Scripture, God, I pray, Lord, that my words would not be my words. Lord, I pray, Lord, that everything I speak, God, would be from the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that it would fall on, on fertile hearts and ears, God. Lord, I pray, Lord, this idea and this, 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 this thing that we're going through, God, about asking, Lord, I pray, Lord, that today we can humbly come to you and answer that question. What do we want? What do we need? And Lord, I pray, God, that it would fall on ears, it would fall on hearts, God, that are ready to see you face to face, King Jesus. Lord, I pray, God, that you would continue your work this morning in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Awesome. So what's happening here? We're in the Gospel of Mark. And if you don't know the Gospel of Mark, all that you see, not all, but a majority of what you see is Jesus Serving the least of these. In the Gospel of Mark, it really focuses on Jesus loving, compassion, and serving those the world doesn't want, the world doesn't see. Right? We would understand that in Mark that this is the last recorded miracle of the Gospel of Mark before Jesus is on the cross. We understand that Jesus is headed to Jerusalem 
in this portion of Scripture to what we know to be the crucifixion and later his resurrection. So the text reads that he entered Jericho and now he is leaving Jericho. So as Jesus is going to Jericho, into Jericho, nothing really happened. I'm sure tons of stuff happened, but Mark doesn't say what's going on. And now they're leaving Jericho. We find ourselves leaving the city and we are in the middle of a busy road where large groups of people are traveling from Jericho to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. It's a well-populated area and it is a perfect spot if you are a blind beggar. See, a large amount of people would mean a bigger chance of getting some scraps, of getting some change, of getting some money, right? More people means more opportunities. So we see that this beggar is sitting alongside the road. And in Matthew, Matthew's account in the Bible, it also lets us know that there were two beggars. There was two beggars in this portion of scripture. But Mark only focuses on this man that we're going to talk about this morning. He only focuses on this particular beggar. And what's fascinating and what's exciting is that in the Bible, when Jesus interacts with people, they don't, he, they don't, we really don't get their names. We just know them as labels, as the woman at the well, or you know, the, the blind man, or um, the rich young ruler, right? the woman with the issue of blood. But in this portion of scripture, we know that this man's name is Bartimaeus. He is the son of Timaeus. And this man is poor, and he is blind. This blind man finds himself sitting strategically along the roadside on a daily basis, begging and shouting for alms, begging for scraps, begging for change, relying on other people's generosity to survive. His only goal is to gather enough change or enough scraps that he can make it to another day. This is blind Bartimaeus' truth. This is his reality. We don't know how long he's been blind, but I can imagine it's been a a long period of time. Every day, Monday through Sunday, this man is in darkness, and he is living, hoping, and relying on the generosity of others to make it another day. The world is constantly looking down at him. Many constantly looking past him. See, back in these days, many believed that if you were born blind, it's because of something that you did. If you were born blind or if you are blind, it's because either your parents sinned or either you sinned. So that compassion and the empathy that we would see some, you know, here today, it's, it's not like that back there. If you're blind, you deserved it. You shouldn't have sinned. You shouldn't have made those mistakes. You shouldn't have done what you've done. That's, that's your lot. That's what you've done. Or your parents So this man, as being blind and being a beggar, this man was not noticed. He wasn't seen by society. He was seen by society as less than, as a burden, as a hindrance, marginalized, deemed insignificant. This was Bartimaeus' life. Every day, this man lived alone. He lived with nothing, lived in darkness, poor and blind. He's poor because he can't work. He didn't choose not to work. He can't work. If you can't, you can't see, you can't work. If you can't work, we understand that we can't make a living. This was this man's truth. And I'm, and I'm telling the church today, my heart is that we don't have to be blind today to relate to Bartimaeus. We don't have to physically not be able to see to relate to Bartimaeus. This man had a need. He had a need that he couldn't fix or solve on his own. I would believe that many of us in here are facing needs. We're facing wants. We are at a place where we have an issue or there's a need in our lives 
And we just don't have the strength to make it happen on our own. Right? He couldn't solve on his own. He had a need that he couldn't fix in his own power. We have a need. But then Jesus happens. But then Jesus happens. Amen? So when Bartimaeus heard, obviously he's hearing because he can't see. But he also probably couldn't see with the, the majority of the people walking back and forth as this man is sitting along the roadside, right? But as Bartimaeus heard that Jesus, son of Nazareth, was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But obviously, if you're from East L.A., you only shout louder. When someone tells you to be quiet, you only just get louder. But he shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. Many told him to shut up, to be quiet. Those around Jesus rebuked this man. And naturally, he shouted even louder. They're saying, Bartimaeus, he doesn't have time for you. Bartimaeus, shut up. Be quiet. This is Jesus. Shut up. He doesn't care about your needs. We don't have time for your needs. We don't have time for what you want. Jesus is a busy man. Pipe down. Stop being so loud. Do you know who this is? The thing about Bartimaeus is that he knew about Jesus. He knew more about Jesus than those around him. See, when he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. This man knew that it wasn't just Jesus of Nazareth walking by. It wasn't just Jesus, the good teacher. It wasn't just Joseph's son. By him proclaiming son of David, this man, Bartimaeus, actually knew exactly who was nearby. It wasn't just the good teacher. This was the promised Messiah. The one who would come from the lineage of King David. This man knew He knew what was in front of him. He knew what was coming down that roadway. John 7, 42 says, does not scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants and and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Matthew 21, verse 9 says, the crowds then went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. This man knew the son of David. Jesus' messianic title. He knew more about Jesus than anybody on that road. This man knew that Jesus, this man knew who Jesus was, even though he couldn't see, even though all he saw was darkness, yet he knew that that Jesus was the light. He knew that Jesus could heal. He had probably heard the stories. He's probably heard the rumblings. He's probably heard everyone from towns talking about what Jesus can do and what he's done. He knew that Jesus could heal the blind. He knew that he can, he can have the, the lame walk. There's something about Bartimaeus that everybody else in this crowd is missing. If this is the son of David, if this is the Messiah, then I know that he can raise the dead. This is Jesus. This is not just Jesus of Nazareth. He's just a good teacher. This is the Messiah. This, is, this was Bartimaeus' moment of his lifetime. This was his chance. This was his opportunity. And he cries out. Not for more alms, not for more giving, not for more money, 
Not for a place to live. He cries out for mercy. He cries out for mercy. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, he said. They said, come on, he's calling you. So right after, these guys are yelling at Bartimaeus, telling him to shut up, telling him to be quiet. Jesus says, bring him to me. So now they humbly have to come. Hey, sorry about all that. He wants to talk to you. (laughs) But Jesus stops. If Jesus is going down this road and he's going into Jerusalem, then he's going to the cross. This man is the busiest man in the world right now. But yet Jesus stops. Jesus has an 18-mile journey ahead of him to die on a cross for the sins of mankind, for you and me. Past, present, and future sins that we would make, that we would, we would uh, walk out. But yet Jesus stops. This man is on a mission. Jesus is on a mission to save the world, literally. Yet Jesus stops. And Bartimaeus threw aside his coat. He jumped up and he came to Jesus. And I don't want to make more of it than it is, but that picture of just throwing off all that you own, throwing off everything that you knew, throwing off everything that makes sense to you, throwing off that coat and running to Jesus. See, the coat is probably all that Bartimaeus had. Kept him warm. It kept his finances where he needed to be. But at that moment, it, it didn't matter. Contrary to what the rich young ruler had just a few portions of scripture before this, he wasn't willing to give up anything to follow Jesus. But Bartimaeus was willing to give up everything he had. He throws off all that he owns because at this moment, none of it mattered. And Jesus asked these questions. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? This question is huge because his answer, it could have been anything. It really could have been anything. But he says, Lord, I want to regain my sight. I want to see. And most importantly, he says, my rabbi, my teacher, my Messiah, my Lord, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go for your faith has healed you. And right here, this healing is actually the Greek word sozo. Spiritual healing Physical healing. This is beyond the physical healing that he was seeking. He wanted to see, and he got that. He's able now to see in the physical, but now he's able to even see in the spiritual. It's beyond physical healing. This man, Bartimaeus, wanted to see, and he also left now with salvation. Sozo. This man asked for mercy. And I think sometimes in the church or even in our own normal lives, we forget how important mercy is. We forget how much mercy is needed in our day to day. We forget all the mercy that Lord has already given us. We need mercy, church. Psalms 103 might not be on the notes, Jim. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, And forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, 
who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Instantly, this man could see. Question of the lifetime, moment of the lifetime, face to face with Jesus. From darkness to light, this man asked to see, he regained salvation. And what does he choose to do? He goes back to the curb and along the roadside, picks up his coat and goes about his normal life. No, that doesn't happen. That would be a terrible part of the story. But he follows Jesus. He follows Jesus down the road. This man hears the rumblings. He hears the commotion. He see, hears the feet. There's, just, there's a lot going on. This is a different day than the day before. Something is different. The commotion is weird. People's are, people are excited. Jesus enters the chat. This man, Bartimaeus, lived in darkness for years, but today was his opportunity, and he cries out to Jesus. He cries for Jesus, and the world around him, like often our lives, tells us to shut up. Shut up. Sometimes our own heads, sometimes ourselves, we tell ourselves to shut up. Be quiet. Jesus is not going to do anything for you. Jesus doesn't have time for you. Jesus doesn't have time for me. Yes, there's a need. Yes, there's a want. Yes, I know that Jesus is the Messiah. Yes, I know that he is the son of David. But just shut up because you're not worth it. Worth it. You're insignificant. And Jesus is too busy. But then Jesus stops. We understand that just the idea of Jesus being too busy and the idea and the picture of us being not worth it is contrary to the word of God. We understand that, right? I know a lot of us always wrestle with this idea of, am I good enough? Am I, does God love me? Does God see me? Does he, does, is, is he proud of me? You know, I, I've done some bad things. Hey, man, I might be still doing some bad things, but I want to tell you that you are worth it. Jesus does see you. Jesus knows everything. And he stops for you. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30 says, Then Jesus said, Come to me. Come to me, all who are weary and, and, have, and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Isaiah 55 verse 1 says, Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. If you have no money... Even if you have no money, come, take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does, not, uh, that does you no good? Listen to me, and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen, and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all the unfailing love I promised to David. Isaiah 55, 6 says, seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Revelations 22, verse 17 says, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. Shutting up isn't an option. Sitting along the roadside 
And not responding when, the, when Jesus of Nazareth and the Messiah is nearby is not an option. What do you want? What do you need? This man had a need that not one person could give him. This man had a need and he deserved nothing. He was blind, he was poor, yet he cries out for mercy and he received Jesus. He received salvation. He received healing. He received sozo. He's spiritually restored along with his physical sight. Bartimaeus cries out for mercy, and yet he receives more than he could ever ask for. But, but Bartimaeus needed to cry out. Poor and blind Bartimaeus, worthless and useless to the world around him, labeled a sinner, labeled insignificant, the world just passing him by. But then Jesus stops. And Jesus stops for you and me today, church. This morning, Jesus stops. He stops with love. He stops with compassion. He stops with mercy. He stops with a future. He stops with a purpose. Stops with mercy. Mercy means to give somebody something they don't deserve. And as Bartimaeus cried out for mercy, he says, I, I know I'm undeserving here, but I know you're the Messiah. This blind man deserved nothing. He didn't earn anything, but Jesus gave everything. Jesus gave everything for you and me. We don't deserve anything. We were headed to death and we were dead in our sins. And then Jesus stopped. And then Jesus interrupted that. And then Jesus intervened. Because just like Bartimaeus, the, word, the world might say he's insignificant and that he's not worthy and that he's not important. But Jesus says otherwise. You are important. You are significant. The needs that you have right now are significant to the Lord. The desires that you have are significant. The struggles that you're facing, the storms you might be in, the circumstances you might find yourself in matter to the Lord. My question this morning, have you cried out? Jesus is the God of mercy and compassion. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 23 says, great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Each morning, his mercies are new. Each morning, his mercies are afresh. So what you did yesterday or last week doesn't matter today if you cry out for Jesus. I don't know about you, but I want Jesus. That's a want that I have. That's a need that I have. I need Jesus on a day-to-day. -day. I don't know about you, but I want mercy. I need mercy on a day-to-day. -day. And I understand that Jesus is mercy. And I know that just like that day when Bartimaeus was alongside the road and just going through his day-to-day, -day, I think we have an opportunity today that something could be different. I feel like we have something today that God wants to do something. I believe that this morning it can be a fresh and it could be a new. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Jesus, I want to see. I don't know about you. I hope, church, that you want to see. 
I hope today you want to see. Want to see Jesus. You want to see beyond your feelings. You want to see beyond your emotions. You want to see beyond your sin. You want to see, you want to see beyond your circumstances, your situations, and your storms. You want to see beyond the emotions. Lord, help us see through our fears. This morning in prayer, Eli led us in a great prayer of, of, of no more fears. Lord, I want to see beyond this, this COVID-19 situation. Lord, I want to see beyond the fears of having children in a public school or whatever it might be. I want to see beyond the fears. And Jesus wants to help us. He wants to see, help us see beyond our present circumstances. Church, I want to see what Jesus is doing in my life. Do you want to see what Jesus is doing in your life? Do you want to see what Jesus is going to do through your life? Can you see it? Can you see that there is a purpose? Can you see that there is a calling? Can you see that you are more than just a blind beggar sitting along the roadside? At RLA, we believe that Jesus heals. We believe that he still heals today. I believe a lot of us at one time or another have been this blind beggar. We might feel like we're this blind beggar today, feeling stuck, sitting on the side of a road, spiritually poor and spiritually blind. We can't see God. We don't see God move. We feel like we have no vision. We feel like we're blind. We don't know what's happening. We don't know what God has called us to. My question this morning is, do you know Jesus? Maybe you've been blind to a situation in your life. Maybe you've been blind in a circumstance. Maybe you've been blind for a season. And you have asked, why am I here? Why am I in, R- why am I in RLA? Why do I even follow God? Why do I even worry about it? Why do I even try? And you find yourself just spiritually blind because you can't see what God is doing through you and in you and with the world around you. Maybe you ask God, why are you here? I think we've all been here. I think we've all asked those questions at one point in our time, in our lives. Find ourselves blind, find ourselves in need of something, find ourselves in need of mercy, in need of love. Maybe you're in need of forgiveness. Maybe you want a touch from Jesus this morning. Question of the morning, are you desperate for Jesus? This morning I wanted to pray. And if I could ask Pam, come up. In our home, we have a a phrase that we use quite often. I have three kids, and it can get quite crazy and chaotic. And it's very fun. But in my, in my home, we have a phrase called use your words. Because with three young kids screaming and whining and crying and whimpering and just odd sound effects quite often fill our place. And I can't help them if there's a need. I can't help them if I don't understand what's going on. And I know I'm not God. But I, I, I often say, I don't know what you're saying. Use your words. You can tap me on the shoulder, you can cry, you can shout, you can scream, but I I need you to use your words. I know they're hurting. Payback. I know they're hurting, but I don't know how to help them. I don't know where. I don't know what happened. Use your words. And I want to say, church, this morning, let's use our words. If we can stand up this morning, If you're willing, if you're comfortable, 
Jesus has given us the opportunity this morning to use our words, to cry out to Jesus. It's just you and the Lord. What do you need? What do you want Jesus to do for you in this season? What do you want Jesus to do for you today? We're not talking about cars. We're not talking about a bigger house. Though Jesus, if you were willing, that'd be great for each and every one of us. But we're talking about internally, spiritually. You find yourself blind. You find yourself feeling worthless and useless. You find yourself like this blind beggar sitting alongside the road as the whole world passes you by. What do you want the Lord to do for you this morning, church? We can pray, we can lay hands, we can do those things, but I feel like just today it's just you and God. What do you want God to do? You can use your words, you can cry out, you can say it out loud, that's fine if there's time for it, but just really come through the throne room boldly, humbly. Jesus is here. This doesn't have to be a thing, but this can be a thing. It can be an opportunity for the Lord to do amazing things. What do you want? So Lord, I just pray, God, as lives are surrendered, as hands are raised, as heads are bowed, God, as your, as your sons and your daughters humbly come before you with needs, with questions, with wants, with circumstances, with situations, God, I pray, Lord, that you would hear them. And I pray, God, and I thank you, Lord, for stopping at this moment for them. But I pray, God, that you would just reach them where they're at, that you would touch them where they're at, God, that you would hear their hearts, that you would hear the cries of their hearts, Lord. We know you're not a genie, God. We're not asking for three wishes, Lord. We're asking for mercy. Open our eyes, our spiritual eyes, Lord. In your mighty name, King Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the work that you are doing. Thank you for the work that you would continually do, God. Thank you for stopping for us. You have time for us. We are worth it to you. We are significant to you. You do see us. Thank you, King Jesus, for what you're doing in the hearts of your men and to your women, God. We love you, Lord, in your mighty name. If there's anybody in here, as of right now, who don't know the Lord, and you're hearing this message, and you're thinking, man, you know what? I am blind to God. I, I don't know him. I don't see him. But I see him today. Maybe you don't know that he is the son of David and he's the Messiah, but today you do and you want to receive him in your life, just quickly, if that's you, let's just raise your hands. If there's anybody in this room, I just want to give an opportunity for those who don't know Jesus. Lord, thank you, God. Lord, thank you for the cross, and thank you for salvation, King Jesus. Thank you for seeing us. 
Lord, I pray, God, that there would be new, the new believers, Lord, in this room and at home would give their lives to you, God. They would turn their back on their sins, that they would turn their back on their, their past life, God, and that they would look to you. They would surrender all, everything, God. They would give their hearts to you, Lord, that they would call you Lord and Savior of their lives. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. I believe that um, there's some people this morning here in the room and also watching online that when you were when you were invited to cry out to Jesus, the word that you cried out was freedom. God, I want freedom. And even this morning when Linton came and shared about Paul and Silas who were sitting in prison, you identified with sitting in prison. And um, and so I just, I feel like um, almost as a prophetic act and an, and an act of obedience, I would like to invite you up for prayer. If that's you, if you're in a place where you like, you feel either through circumstance that you're in a prison, through choices that you've made for your life that might not have been the best choices, you're in prison, through things that other people might have done or said to you, things that have just kept you bound and not moving forward in God, not moving forward in Jesus. And so the thing that you're crying out for is freedom. I'd like to invite you to come up for prayer, that we can pray and and just trust in Jesus, trust for that freedom with you. Almost like, yes, you asked, you asked in your heart, but now step out. Step out as a prophetic act. Step out of that prison and come forward so we can pray for you and see that freedom come in Jesus' name. Amen. If that's you, please, please come forward. Um, we're we're going to obviously officially end our service, but if you feel like you need ministry, our, our leaders are going to be up here ready to minister with you. And just know that we love you. Um, man, what a powerful, powerful preach, Steve. Uh, man, outstanding. Um, but if, if, you, if you need to respond to this word, then stay here. We're going to be here. We're not going anywhere. We just want to be honoring to the teachers who have your kids and all that other stuff. So, um, so come, come and, and, and receive what the Lord has for, for, for you this morning. Uh, for everyone else, we love you. We will see you um, this coming week. Have a great week. And uh, yeah, blessings.